Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Mike Welsh, OBE, founder of blackcircles.com and tirescanner.com, the online tyre retailers. Adopted as a baby and growing up in Liverpool, Mike struggled with dyslexia at school and left, age 16, with few GCSEs. Working as a tyre fitter in a city garage, he spotted a gap in the market and set up his own tyre business from his childhood bedroom, supported by a £500 grant and night shift work in a local Tesco. After selling his business to QuickFit, where he was hired as the group's first head of e-commerce, Mike launched his second business, BlackCircles.com, in 2001, the world's first click-to-fit tyre retailer, which Michelin acquired 14 years later for £50 million. Taking his e-commerce skills to the US, Mike launched Tirescanner.com in 2019 before partnering with an American tire distributor and becoming president and CEO of Tirebuy.com. They're now one of America's largest online tire retailers with over 18,000 installers across the US of A. Hello, I'm so happy we can make this happen because I've mentioned America and we're doing this via Miami and I'm here in London and this is technology in action. And Curtis Mayfield is a bit of a hero of yours. Hi, Elliot. That's a favourite of mine. I absolutely love it. This is one of those go-tos for me just to kind of tune up the day. I mean, I've very much kind of been a set the tempo for the day, for the week, and get the music going. So whether it's kind of Pavarotti or Curtis Mayfield or, you know, there's a whole plethora of go-tos I've got, but that's one of the big ones for me. What time does the day begin for you? Well, at the moment when the baby wakes up, so it's kind of, it's bottles of 4am at the moment. And then as long as... You know. I can see Mike's face here, by the way. He, he looks pretty healthy for a bloke who's been getting up at 4am. And of course, everyone will be going, yes, but he doesn't have to do anything at 4am. Although now, unless you're going to tell me you're actually doing some feeding. Absolutely doing the feeding. Good. The bowls get Good. poured and the baby's happy and then we're, we're on to the next. So look, I, as I mentioned in the introduction, a bit of a start to life that isn't quite as pleasurable as once you've got through your slumbers and the 4am feed is done. An incredible background. And for you to have come from that, into you know you being a super successful guy are you here because of your childhood or is it just a fact what relationship does it have to the fact that mike welsh is this super driven and super successful fellow well it's very nice of you to say i mean i kind of feel like there's certainly been a drive there to kind of prove and to you know to try and kind of make a mark i think it would be a i'd be overstretching to say that you know i kind of i knew anything of the early days in terms of the fostering and the adoption, it's more a case of, you know, as long as I can remember, I felt really lucky to have been, you know, taken into a, a loving family and and the value I attributed to my mum and dad from a very, very early age was um, was was ginormous. It was massive. I mean, I, my appreciation for them is beyond, you know, anything that, that I guess, what any more straightforward kind of parent-child type scenario might mm. might seem to be so so yeah i mean i i appreciated very early on and I, and I was certainly driven there was a drive really to just to try and kind of you know, pay you know, pay back or prove that you know i was at least as good as the rest that was a bit of a 
I kind of chip on my shoulder, I think, at, a, at an early age and, you know, thankfully managed to shake that into my, through my 20s. At what age did you know you were adopted, Mike? Do you remember? As early as I can remember. I mean, I think probably five, mum and dad kind of mm. would tell, I mean, they, they were amazing to, to let me and my brother, because my brother is adopted as well. We're not siblings in terms of blood siblings, but we were told early and we were told, you know, the wise and the way for us. So we were, we were never guessing. But it certainly helped frame motivations and life looking forward. And we, you know, subsequently we've spent a lot of time through our, and we've come to it, but our charitable trust, helping adoption and fostering causes. And we've taken a lot of pleasure out of that. So I think being prepared for later life to really turn that into a, a positive and, and be able to, to give a lot back to those causes has been great. It's been a real help for me. And on, on the other side of it, from a business point of view, you started literally on the shop floor. You know, some people talk about how that experience, regardless of, and I know you work very hard as well to do some university courses and stuff like that, but the shop floor, the shop floor side of it, tell me how, when you were there at the beginning, did you think, yeah, I'm going to run one of these, I'm going to run a business like this one day, or was it more basic than that? Were you just happy to have a job? Well, this is sound too cliche, but I, I kind of always felt like I was on a route to doing something much bigger. And I never, you know, it wasn't a write down in a journal to, you know, see today, there's all this motivational toys, all very good for kids starting out in business, but I just kind of knew I was going to do something. I didn't know kind of how or where or, or why. I just knew that I would get there. And I didn't even know where there was, but I knew I would get there. The bit I wanted to pick up on, as I mentioned, that you just knew that things were going to be different and you said you didn't even know what that meant at that point. Where was that belief from, Mike? What did that look like to you when you were younger? I think it was a determination, probably. I, th I think sometimes if you've got too many choices, it can make decisions quite difficult. I know it sounds kind of quite a basic comment, but you know, from my perspective, schooling was was difficult. The, you know, math mathematics was a was a big issue for me with the dyslexia. So I had to find my own way and actually getting out and getting a job and starting to to kind of to earn some money and get some motivation from from being out there and doing something was big for me so you know I think I set my sights then on what could I do next here my leverage really was the knowledge that I was gaining from at that point stacking the tires then installing the tires then buying the tires and I was thinking well I was made redundant actually in that job so then it was okay, so what's next? I started to buy tires from the supplier who was supplying the garage I was working at and selling to my pals. And the guy was good enough to give me 10 days credit. So I was taking the cash and then paying him. And then I started a small specialized mail order tire business. And then, and then it was like, okay, how do I scale that? And it, it was very much linear. So this is what I need. How do I get it? And then got into the Prince's Trust because I'd read about that. I actually read about that at the job center. That was one of those, one of those weeks. You know, it was always, am I going to need to get a job now? Am I going to need to kind of get some support now? And read a flyer on the Prince's Trust, went to see those guys, Dragon's Den type setup, take your business plan. You see a, a few folks there, get some, some input from them. And then and luckily they said, look, we'll help you. So they gave me a grant for 500 pounds. I bought a computer, I built a website because there was software on the computer that helped me build a website. 
quicker then I didn't need to take ads in magazines because they were too expensive and I could change the prices quickly. So I took strip ads in the magazines rather than page, you know, half page ads and it cost me, you know, a fraction of the price and people would go to the website address and the, I would change the prices constantly. And we just kind of built from there, but it was very, it felt like it was step by step, you know, learn a bit more, do a bit more, but, but I guess there was no real, there was no ceiling to it for me. It just felt like I needed to keep moving forward. And frankly, I had nothing to lose. I'm 17 and I'm, I'm at the back of my mum and dad's house. And, you know, I've got a, a dial up network, a computer, a tire supplier, some customers, some strip ads in a magazine and I'm getting phone calls and I'm selling tires. I mean, it doesn't get any better. But you, you say you've got nothing to lose and yet you're, you're a teenager and you're doing these things. You said you're like one step. It sounds like it's one foot in front of the other and you keep on building. You're getting deeper and deeper knowledge of how the offline world might become an online world and how the two might come together. And I can see that, that happening. But there must have been a bit of stress. You must have been going, what if this doesn't work? What am I going to do next? Not at all. Nothing? Not at all because... Have you always, have you retained that, that sense of, I don't need to look down, I don't feel like I'm on a high wire, I'm just doing it, I'm just putting one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other? Probably the anxiety, any anxiety, which I've certainly had my fair share and a bit more, comes from accountability and responsibility more than it does my personal failure or ego or, you know, when we do things, we try and do them for the betterment of the stakeholders, customers, but it's not... You know, this is about how can we do something good, fun, different, whether it be the charity, whether it be business. Certainly back then, my drive was about learning and then reinvesting that. I was enjoying learning. Then I started to read books. I started to just consume biographies of business heroes. And you know, I just couldn't read enough. And at school, I didn't read at all because I couldn't, I couldn't really. In terms of, you know, the, the curriculum was a challenge. But, but actually what I found was when I enjoyed the subject matter, I could just eat knowledge. And that really became my hobby. I didn't do much else, really. It was all about my hobby was my work, was my future. And then I think you lose yourself in that. You know, it's like anything. If if you enjoy it, then certainly one of the things I've been acutely aware of through my career is where my shortcomings are, things I don't know, things I don't understand. And as things got possibly to your point, a little bit more, the stakes got a bit higher, you know, the business was growing. We had to do tax returns. We had to do, in the end, we had, you know, you'd audited accounts. We had, you know, it was a, it was much more business-like. I started to surround myself with people who could help me. And I've always done that, whether it be Black Circles. I wrote a letter to Sir Terry Lee. He was the CEO of Tesco, you know, and asked him possibly naively, could you help me with retailing? I sell tires on the internet. I don't think I'm a very good retailer. He afforded me some time and he's become a great friend and he was an investor. And I think if I kind of look back at where I've really had the help and the leg up, if you like, over time to supplement wherever my shortcomings or my lack of knowledge may be, it's been by just reaching out and asking people. And my, you know, the people I will ask and the people who've helped me and supported me over the years have been right at the top of the tree, really. And I've, I've not been encumbered with, well, they might not come back to me or why would I put myself in that predicament? I just called up or wrote a letter or, and I've been very fortunate that people have helped me and supported me. And I certainly today I try and do the same if I can for others. 
Stay with me to find out much more from my business shape today. It's Mike Welsh, and he's a serial entrepreneur who keeps working out how to go and sell another company for even more than the last one. So stay with me to find out the secret for that one. Right now, though, it's time to hear a taste from the Michigan Innovation Series, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Natasha Knight invites business founders to share their industry insights and practical advice for those of you thinking about getting into an industry and starting your very own thing. In this clip, focused on retail, we hear from Tamor Atagechi, founder and CEO of Papier, an online stationery brand. The Mishcon Innovation Series. Insights from founders for your future business. In association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishcon Derea. In a way, the, the biggest learning curve is around learning about yourself as a chief executive. I think for me, at least, this is my first time both as a founder and as a, as the chief executive of a company. And so you've got no one really to tell you what you're good at, what you're not good at, where your strengths and weaknesses are, like you would if you were in any other role reporting into someone. So the biggest learning curve really is about learning about you, what you're good at, what you need to work on, and what you need to hire in order to compensate for the different areas that you're not as strong on. And I think that realization that actually the path to growing a really successful business is actually about surrounding yourself with people that are better than you is a is an important realization, I think, for any founder. The Mishcon Innovation Series. In association with Jazz Shapers with Mishcon Derea. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can hear all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again with Mike if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you've got a smart speaker, why not ask it to play Jazz Shapers? And there you'll find a taster of our recent shows. But back to today, it's Mike Welsh, OBE, founder of BlackCircles.com and TireScanner.com, the online tire retailers. So Black Circles, obviously, you you know, your first business you were about, I worked out about 19 or 20 when you sold it to QuickFit, give or take. You've got another one that you sold sort of seven or eight years ago for a significant amount more. But that's not enough because you carry on going with this huge business which kind of came together in, in Tire Scanner. Are you happier building the thing or managing a business of scale? Because you've built it quite a few times and you're a grafter and you like a challenge is there any such thing as it being a bit too easy and too predictable for you? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's ever easy. In fact, every single time it's different. Again, we when we moved to the States, I mean, actually, I, I promised my wife this would be the last go at this, that it was more, much <laughs> She's more... like, what have you got to prove, Mike? What have you got to prove? Well, and, and that it was much more straightforward because we. I think, I, and I probably quote, we've got the blueprint. I mean absolute nonsense i mean the reality is that i think that the understanding your your market understanding your industry your route to market your business model certainly helps so it's allowed us to get to the kind of the nub of the matter and move the initiatives and the business forward more efficiently with less errors but i mean the us in particular it's it's such a big market i mean it's, you know some of these states are like different countries in terms of the the tax positions and the way you go to market and some of the kind of legal positions and culturally, I mean, even the southern the southern states are going to be very different to the east, to the west, and to the north flyovers and all that. Completely. I mean, in Minnesota today, we'll be selling lots of winter tires, yeah. snow tires, and in Florida, we won't. 
you know, it's a completely different kind of set of markets and, and approach. But you know, to, to your point, in terms of the build and, and manage and lead, I've enjoyed, I guess, transitioning to more of a develop and lead approach with a great team of people. I think in certainly in the early days when you're having to do everything yourself, yeah, it's useful because you certainly you know where where everything is and you you know the the kind of the buttons and the levers and understanding the, how your business operates is really important. But to be able to scale and frankly enjoy the scaling and getting you know building a big business. You need to have great people. You know, you need to learn to lead, and you need to learn not to be up, you know, shoulder deep in every initiative problem. Yeah. And and that's been a, a journey for me, and it's not been easy. But bringing you know, mentors and support into black circles, I think, really helped equip me for that. You know, some of the best in the business. I said earlier, like Sir Terry Leahy at Tesco, were a real inspiration to me. And what would he have said? I mean, if you had one thing that from all the all the times you've spoken to Sateri and spent time with him, what would you put as the number one piece of advice for people that are running businesses? Own your numbers and get underneath your numbers. And actually, probably nothing nothing beyond that. I mean, that was a lesson that I learned partway through Black Circles. I, I could read the numbers off the page, but actually understanding why that looked slightly different to that and the trigger was for that, the behavior of the numbers and with the intrinsic links we're between the investment, the output, the performance, the margin, the, he taught me, that was a, a tipping point for me. That was all of a sudden maths and dyslexia wasn't a crutch anymore. I became an expert at my numbers and then I started to run my business. And that in the tire industry where we have lots of moving parts and you know, literally um, in terms of you know, variables on pricing, on availability, on logistics, it's really, really important. So, so yes, yeah, so, so, so taking the knowledge and, and, and reinvesting that and the guidance and reinvesting that. And I think that the team I had around me, Graham Bissett, who was my chairman, who was the CFO of QuickFit for many years, these guys, I think they stuck around and they helped me because they saw that the advice they gave me, I was actually practically using it and we were getting the benefits of it. It wasn't just chats over a cup of coffee. It, was, it really was school for me. Mike Welsh is my business shape. We've been talking about owning the numbers. Of course, beyond the numbers, Mike, are the people. And you've touched on these people, these great people that you said, you know, they knew that they were they were giving you advice, you were listening. I reckon you've got pretty high expectations of yourself, just having met you all of a few minutes ago. And I am just reading your story. It looks like you're tough on yourself. And you talked about, you know, that the inevitable chip that you would have had because of your your own childhood but then that morphs into this really determined guy. What are your expectations like of other people and the people that work for you? I think the bar's high. And I think that it's important, certainly initially at Black Circles, which is really my first experience of building a team, I'd say probably unnecessarily high in some instances. And again, it's learning, understanding where other people's talents lie, where their limitations are, and that, I guess that's leadership. So to your point earlier about are you building the business or are you managing and running the business? And I think that's the, the difference. And so latterly, you know, being able to, first of all, bring the right people in who are going to gel where the chemistry's right, where you can, because, you know, you'd probably liken it to a football team, couldn't you? So, I mean, some football teams out there at the moment who are working particularly well. There's only one team in London, Mike. There's only one <laughs> team in London and they don't wear white and blue. 
Yeah, sure. So that team in particular, yeah. it's a team effort. So, I, and I think that the, that's the difference. I think if you can get the right, because building a business, it's a lot more about leading from the front, you know, whacking through the pack, you know, getting the job done. And then we'll, you know, we'll count the fatalities at the end. And it, for want of a better expression, that's kind of sometimes what building a business can be like, particularly a startup. But moving to that, you know, transitioning to that leadership and having really talented people and making sure they have the right support, you can accommodate their growth and their development that I've found can be transformational. And actually, it means that it's not always a, an exhausting effort. You know, we can actually win and we can have fun and we can, you know, we don't need to be on our knees at the end of the task or the initiative or the year or whatever. We can actually do this in a really much more efficient way. So that's probably the, one of the biggest takeaways from Black Circles for me is if I'm going to do this again, I need to be able to be much more efficient and be a much better, more informed leader. And then people will want to work with me. I say with me rather than for me. And I think that's an important differentiation. Stay with me for my final chat with Mike. And we've also got some Tito Puente for you here on Jazz Shapers. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Tito Puente, Mambo Gosson, which is appropriate sort of because I'm talking to Mike Welsh and he's in Miami and there's lots of Latin music there. I mean, what a terribly, a ter- terribly tenuous link, but I mean, I love Miami, Mike, as I was telling you earlier, so I don't really care. Um, <laughs> we've got a few more minutes and I just want to talk to you about your values because they've, they've kind of, for me, permeated everything you've talked about from the moment we started talking and that's around determination, that's around caring that's around your own leadership journey that's around your humility i just get a feel for you as a human and there's a and there's a lot of other evidence if you like that you do think about things deeply beyond making a buck and that's uh whether that's the prince's trust that you've been involved with whether that's someone i want want you to briefly talk about the welsh group and and specifically the welsh trust what is it that is so important to you about doing the right thing why do you care so much i think the important thing to me is whatever we do whether it be the business, whether it be charity, you know, we do the best we can possibly do or I can possibly do. And and often that means being all in. I'm in with my heart and soul. And I've kind of always been like that and probably to a fault because it, that certainly brings, there's a moral responsibility that I feel with with everything that we embark on in terms of getting it right and doing the best we can possibly do. I don't want to do anything that delivers any less than 100%. However, that manifests itself, whether it be business outcome or whether it be an impact on a particular charitable initiative. And that carries with it. We talked earlier about anxiety and stress. That probably carries with it the biggest burden of anxiety and stress, but it is self-imposed because you know we want to get things right. Whatever it is that I'm doing, I don't want to be half-baked with it yeah. because otherwise it's, I feel you, like it's pointless doing it. No, that makes, and that makes perfect sense. And you're an all-in kind of guy, and I get that from a business point of view, from values and charity. And you've talked a bit, and I've read a bit about you saying, you know, I wish I had talked to myself earlier and told myself to enjoy life and enjoy this experience because it's a privilege and all of that. How about family as well now? Because obviously, look, you, you're in this fabulous position where you've got security and you're able to choose what you do more than you were 20 years ago, for sure. 
Have you got a vision in mind in terms of balance so that Mike is working less, that Mike has more time with the family, or is it is it frankly all wrapped up in each other anyway? Does it does that not make no. much of a difference? No, it's a great question. I think there's a there's a real clear demarcation between what I felt was the motivation and drive before. And I think within some of that, there's this misconception that what you're doing is for yourself, you know, for your whether it be to prove or to build or and actually I think I think some of it is probably to try and justify to others. And I think that we're in a particularly in this day and age, there's a, a perception that we've got to perform or adhere to a certain standard or we've got to try and hit certain, you know, because that's a minimum, right? Because we see it all the time, social media, it's like everybody's doing brilliant, aren't they? You know, so certainly my the position today, we've got, we've got three kids, three very young kids, and we are in the fortunate position we can choose what we do to a certain extent, whether it be business or, or whatever else. So the time we invest and, and frankly the finances we invest, if, if that's appropriate in whatever we're doing, needs to be with an outcome that I can measure as, as the right level or the right sort of success and outcome. And that is not necessarily making some dollars or it's not necessarily measured against somebody else's measurement of what success kind of looks like in the textbooks or in the in the social media realm. So I'm definitely making more decisions now about, okay, what are the right things to do for a bigger impact that's different? So the charity's taken a much bigger role in, in myself and my wife's future-looking investment of our time and energy because we wanted to. And, and you know, and there are things that we want to do. And you know what, Frank, I don't, in most cases, I don't really worry about what anybody thinks about that externally. I mean, it's about how can we have the biggest impact and that feels great. And that's a dividend, you know, and we've got some amazing things we're working on and we've got a partnership with a really high profile charity that we're hoping to announce later this year. Oh, we might not announce it. <laughs> you know, we will announce it if the benefit of that is we can get, you know, more of the great stuff done that we want to get done. But setting these things up so we can help where help is required and that makes us feel amazing is the outcome we want to achieve and that you know i'm 44 as the years kind of pass me by looking forward i want to be banking again for want of a better term because this is the bank of feel good this is the bank of social impact this is the bank of things that you know, you're privileged to be able to invest in and have an impact on that's got to be filling up and you know i've got to be able to look back and feel great about that and as i say we're in a great position to be able to have an amazing impact in some of the areas that they're important to us and we're, we're going to do that in a really meaningful way um, and that probably will run alongside selling some tires online as well keep that going it's been brilliant talking to you mike thank you and thank you for being so open with me as well and good luck i'm sure you will continue to make huge impacts both selling a few tires as you said and in some of maybe the more meaningful ways although let's not underestimate the power of the numbers and the power of that number to enable you to do all the other things just before i let you disappear into the sunset literally he says jealously uh, what is your song choice and why have you chosen it the song choice is feeling good by nina simone it's a go-to for me it really over the last 20 years it's picked me up on a number of occasions and it really talks to courage hope and perseverance i would say is is kind of three three words that i'd certainly think about when i think about this this tune
Nina Simone there with Feeling Good. The song choice of my business shaper today, Mike Welsh. He talked about nothing to lose. It's a theme that's emerging in this season. He had absolutely nothing to lose and therefore he went for it at the age of 17. Reach out and ask though, he said. Really important that when you don't know the answer to something, when you want to find out, ask people outside of your business. Ask people so they can become your mentors or simply your advisors. Own your numbers. The number one bit of advice about making the business work, and those were from Sir Terry Leahy, his mentor who used to run Tesco. And finally, that sense that I got from Mike right the way through our conversation, if you're going to be in, you've got to be all in. What a fantastic life mantra. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.